Welcome to VRPC with your host Sharpie and the captain. And this week we are going to be completing a round robin of musicians, uh, looking at our favourite lead vocalists. Turn that shit up. Let's hit this one, Sharpie. Sharpie, how are you doing my friend? Pretty well, pretty well. Um, been a bit of a long week at work, glad to have knocked that on the head. Um, it's given us a bit of time to think about this episode though, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it took me a little bit of working out this one, I have to say. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking, we're completing the um, our favourite, uh, uh, I would say it, like our top, top 11 <laughs> of... Uh, musicians and yeah. now we're we've done the guitars we've done bass drums um and now we're doing the singers yes uh, and yeah so it's one of these things how do you you know what parameters do you use what, what's important to you blah 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 yeah so we're thinking about this a lot and yeah um we'll see what we come up with but uh how's life been treating you anyway yeah yeah, it's been okay. It's been right. Let's let's crack up a beer. Yeah, clock. it's yeah. beer time. Beer clock, yeah. Beer clock. Yeah. And we'll go with the good times from the Williams brothers. Excellent. Uh, brewery from Aloha. Aloha, and here's. I've your... not had this one before. I've not seen it either. Have you okay. seen this one? No, no, no. I'm aware of uh, the Aloha brewery, but uh, no. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what this is all about. Mm -hmm. What's well, light for a start? Yeah, always a good start. Yeah, looks nice. Nice color. Excellent. Expertly poured by Hair Sharp. Wonderful. Uh, I made a bit of an arse of the last one, didn't I? <laughs> so, um, have you been checking out any uh, music or movies? Uh, last week I was going on my movie sort of rant, but... Uh, yeah, and uh, Creator had released... Um, uh, yeah, so I'm beginning to form my... Begin to yeah, put albums together, I guess, for my top ten mm -hmm. so far this year. So Creator... Uh, Kind of released their um, new album Hate hey Uberas last week. Really enjoying that. Mm -hmm. um, bit of Misery Index. They've got a new album out. Mm -hmm. Really enjoying that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and French band Heart Attack. Yeah, I don't know them. I, I, Misery Index. The name is ringing a bell. I just can't think who they are. They are the American kind of metal core, death right. core kind of band. Big grooves. Cool. Big riffs. Yeah. Um, same with the, the French guys, Heart Attack actually, they, they, they kind of know their way around a, a riff or two I have yeah. to say, um, maybe not quite as developed as some other bands, but yeah, yeah I, quite, I quite like their new album, but it's going to be a busy summer for, for um, album releases actually, um, looking ahead, uh, Machine Head have got their new album coming yeah. out, Lamb of God have got a new album right. coming out, yeah. so quite excited about that, yeah. and uh, Amina Marth. Oh yeah, well. yeah, 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 yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, well, for myself, speaking about um, uh, French, I'm still getting into the algorithm. Um, who's a French guy? This kind of synth wave, quite sort of, um, quite like uh, techno sort of sound. Very, right. Very. Uh, the album Data Renaissance. It's just a really like cool, like big sounding and exciting and sort of. You know, is it synthwave stuff or is it guitar driven or? It's put it this way: it's synthwave, but it's a guitar sort of like put through a synthesizer or something like that. It's right. quite like he's a single guy. I've seen him live once. He basically did everything by himself. But he had a, a drummer play live, but even though 
he would record yeah. tracks on a computer or whatever. One of these guys is, you know, you know, probably autistic or whatever, but you know, he can just do, do everything. You Genius know. Speaking Yeah, so I, I really like uh, him. And Talking of individual artists, I've actually been going back, um, it was released early in the year, Zealand Arders. Um, Cheers, the album. Cheers. And yeah, really kind of enjoying that, so mm. that, that may feature in my top ten. Okay. Well, an album that you talked to me about a while ago, but I never got around to listen to, is Power Trip. The Executioner. Oh, and I go, whoa, that is fucking cool. That. It's I just really like that. Riff frenzy, isn't it? Yeah, the whole it's, so, it's so uh, frenetic and energetic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's. I really. Because I was not expecting from the kind of the look of the band and the look of the album cover, yeah. I was thinking, oh, this will be some sort of like screamy, dirty, dirty sort of thing. But I was like, whoa, this has got balls. This has got it's like. Thrashy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It felt like a sort of thrash party almost. Yes. You know? And I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant man, and um, unfortunately the singer passed away. Yeah, Riley Gale passed away. So you know, um, I really hope those. It's such a tight unit of a band. I hope mm. they they kind of get back on it because it would be such a shame, you know, for for that talent and that that kind of vibe to you know to mm-hmm. to dissolve, you know. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, Power Trip were, were fantastic. Yeah. Really fantastic. And there's some amazing um, you like uh, YouTube videos and films of them. Right, I'm going to have to check that out. Cause I, I mean, I just listened to that um, Power Trip. Uh, is it Executioner? Is that yeah, Execution, Executioner's yeah. Axe. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Executioner's just... Axe. Yes, yeah, so the, the, the last album. Yeah. 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 I, I just was like, because I just wasn't, I, I didn't know what to expect. I just thought, balls, I'll, I'll check it out. I thought, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I've also been still listening to the new Ramstein album and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I mean, albums like the Ramstein album it always takes a bit of time to absorb, doesn't it? You know, I, I listen to it like I'm driving in the car and stuff like that. You yeah. know, so uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it. But anyway, um, we're jibber jabbering. So we're talking about our favorite singers. Um, so let's get into that. So we've not told each other who are. Mm. Our top three is yeah. yeah. Uh, so do we do big reveal now, and or do we go just three three two two one one? Yeah, let's do it that. Let's way. do that. Yeah, way. yeah. I think you should start this one off. You, yeah. Oh really? <laughs> or do we start off? Well, first of all, I, I guess um, who didn't make the cut? Who who didn't quite quite make it on yeah, your list? Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm I'm actually still haven't kind of finalised my my list. I've just written it out again. I'm, just, I'm looking at it. I know there's you kind of if you overthink it, like guitar, like the lead guitarist one was probably yeah. just as difficult. Yeah. I could have swapped over two or three yeah. times with that. Yeah. Oh, he's he's still writing people. He's still he's still, well, yeah, he's still amending and taking I've notes. Kind of doesn't work. <laughs> it's yeah. too late now. It's yeah. too late now. Yeah. Well, so who didn't make my make on my list? Mm. Um, Axl Rose. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Robert Plant didn't make okay. on. Yeah. Uh, Skin. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ronnie James Dio didn't quite make it. Yeah. Uh. Uh, and um, Ozzy, Ozzy didn't make it either. Oh yeah. Very close though, but you know. Yeah. So what, like, what was the sort of criteria you guys could impose on yourself then? Like, you know, just the simple phrase who means the most to me, ah, okay, right, yeah. Um, so not necessarily who's the best or the most yeah, talented, yeah. who's got the widest vocal range, 
um, who's the most frenetic on stage or whatever, yeah. just literally who means the most to me. So that's probably like people that you've been listening to for a long time. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, I'm, I, I was similar. I was thinking like, cause I did, I did sort of think, like, what is it to be a front man? Cause like, from person, whatever, um, you know, because anybody can go on a stage, but just cause you're on a stage doesn't mean people, you will hold people's attention, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so many ways to do that. You, you, you know, you can be big and aggressive or you just have a kind of commanding presence you know some people have that yeah. just through their physical stature or just the way they do things you know the way they dress the way they articulate themselves you know stage movement or whatever like that yeah um but i also thought a big part was like you know who did these you know kind of people you know did they sort of influence me in my life and my way of seeing things mm. yeah yeah so uh Right. Well, I think you should probably finish this episode, so I'll start now. Right. So, <laughs> you know what? I'm still, I'm, I'm still swimming, Sharpie. Uh, but well, you're gonna have to decide. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to put in a little wild card here. Um, I'm going to put in um, Alexis Mencola from Three Teeth. Now, I don't. Wow. Now, yeah. Yeah. So most of the singers on my list are. You know, from the nineties or from the two thousands, but um, three teeth they sort of came on my radar sort of twenty, well, quite late actually, twenty nineteen I think actually. Mm. But I, they hit me like really really hard, and um, both in their sound and their sort of lyrical and sort of visual content. Yeah, content. I was like, I mean, he's a guy with a vision, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And when I saw literally like, I. Found out about them in probably Metal Hammer on the Saturday. I watched one of their videos on YouTube on the Sunday. I thought, I'm fucking hooked. And then I saw mm. them literally on the Wednesday in Glasgow supporting <laughs> ministry. And I was like, holy shit. And I bought the album. And yeah. I got all the albums. But I think, um, I, you know, I have a kind of, a, you know, sort of slightly pessimistic look at the world, you know, in general. And I think... Um, Alexis Mancola in his lyrics and their sound kind of articulated that the way I see a lot of things in the world. Yeah. And on stage, he is a, a very magnetic sort of pers- like person to look at, mm. right? So, like, you think of like someone like Rob Halford, you know, or, or uh, Freddie Mercury, they would use kind of like quite a, the, the leathers and stuff like that, and it's quite a, a look, mm-hmm. you know. Or like Ronnie James Dio would have the kind of like tassels and things. So like the clothes he was wearing, he had this kind of it was almost like kind of body armor, but kind of BDSM sort of look and Doctor Robotnik. Yeah, but steampunk thrown in for the measure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got you know he himself. He's um he's probably about an inch taller than me, but bigger. Yeah, but like a big. I think he used to do wrestling and stuff like that. You know, like a big guy and just had that very kind of imposing sort of menacing sort of like aura around the stage mm. and as i just the whole um the whole kind of gesamt kunstwerk of of that band had a like a really big impression and that guy in particular and I, I just like the way that like the lyrics really articulate the sort of thoughts in my head yeah the visuals of the band and the artwork and everything and just this heavy crushing kind of well industrial sound you know 
um, it, it, it just was really menacing. I think it also helped with the venue I was in. It was kind of like this kind of concrete bunker. And you kind of <laughs> felt like, from when I was watching, I thought, oh, this must have been almost what it would have been like to see, you know, like, you know, like go to like a heavy metal concert in Berlin, like in the late 90s or something yeah. like that, you know. There's a touch of the sort of Marlon Manson, a touch of the sort of Rob Zombie kind of thing to it, a little bit kind of like a like a literally like a comic book character. Yeah. And I just thought this I hadn't really seen that for a, like a long time. So quite a carefully crafted visual aesthetic then. Yeah, you know, because obviously like a lot of bands they, they kind of are like streetwear and that's mm. cool. Yeah. But when somebody does make the effort to do something and it's sort of like thought about. You know, yeah. and there's all the other sort of stuff that I'm really into. Like he's got these kind of like, you know, like kind of serpent symbols and stuff like that. Mm. And it's all kind of like esoteric, Sumerian sort of stuff. Like I, I just thought the whole, the whole thing. I thought, yeah, that that I I really like it. And it kind of sort of inspired me to sort of try and like better myself and sort of stuff like that. You know. Yeah. So we kind of on a, uh, you know, the the only got three albums, but they had a, such a huge yeah. like, bang on me that I thought. And it kind of, um, you know, because as, as you've probably heard from listening to us yabber on for the last, how, many, how long have we been doing this now, Sharpie? A year and a half? A year and a half, yeah. A year and a half. Um, like in the 2000s. We were over 50 episodes. Yeah. In the 2000s, like the tweens, the last decade, I kind of was slightly moving a little bit out of metal. Yeah. And this, this band, this singer just kind of <laughs> like pulled me back in. So, I mean, I have to admit these spoke to me quite profoundly as well when I like I hadn't heard them until yeah. you introduced them to me and they spoke quite profoundly to me and when I started exploring a little bit as to what mm. um Alex Mincola was yeah. trying to achieve with his uh, like what he was trying to say, you know, it resounded quite yeah profoundly with me as yeah. well actually. So yeah, that's 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 a wild card, but I think yeah. it's you know music always has you know, not doesn't always have to be but um this is the th- point of being, mm. I guess, so into music is that you're always looking for um, the relevancy in the now. So music yeah. that, you know, is, 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 is relevant to how you are yeah. as a person, kind yeah. of in the here and now. And yeah. you know, Three Teeth are, you know, very much of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Good so, choice. Sharpie, yes, with your third one. Yeah. Uh, mine may be a little bit more um, obvious especially after the way we've been speaking about the well the band he's he's from so Ian Gillen purple yeah deep yeah. purple um Ian Gillen is the first singer i remember um thinking oh my god mm-hmm. who is that yeah um so we were speaking i think it was last week about uh, made in japan yeah and um, the song um, "Child in Time." Oh yeah. <laughs> and the vocal gymnastics mm. that he performs, um, kind of through that and chasing the, the guitar and repeating yeah. the guitar phrases and yeah. things like that. It's like, who on earth is that? And he's got such a wide vocal. I mean, at that well, he time, had that, that top A thing. Isn't yeah, he, he did. About you, like, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, just re- like you know, there's the Roger Daltrey's and the Robert Plants, and you know yeah. the you know these these guys are phenomenal. But 
Ian Gillen is a little bit more profound in that to me that um, he's that kind of missing link between the blues explosion and the new wave of British heavy metal. So he's, to me, he's the first metal vocalist. Yeah. He influenced Bruce Dickinson, he influenced yeah. Ronnie James Dio, he, um, his solo material particularly is quite, it may not be quite your bag, um, it's very kind of post-blues explosion, hard rock, yeah, yeah. but it's post-deep purple as well, yeah, yeah. so it's that, it fills in that gap between that very, very blues-driven um, hard rock and, and like, you know, your diamond heads and things like yeah. that. Um, it's, some of it's very kind of hard rock and he, the Ian Gillen band and Gillen just are that bridge to that, mm. you know, and with his enormous power um, that, that, that he has, um, you know, you, you can then hear where Bruce Dickinson got his shtick from, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and the, uh, he's a big fan of him, isn't he? He's a massive fan, yeah. exactly, exactly, and, you know, like, Deep Purple and Neil Gillen influenced everybody, you know, yeah. there's yeah. such an important band, Deep Purple, and Ian Gillen particularly, like, He's in the same way that you know that you get musicians that progress their instrument. Yeah. Ian Gillen um, progressed rock vocals to another level. Mm-hmm. As like this is what is the potential yeah. for for hard rock and metal vocals. Yeah. So like without Ian Gillen, you'd never get like songs like "Hallowed Be Thy Name" and things yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the, I suppose he's the, the origin of the operatic voice. Exactly, and you wouldn't get your, your power metals and yeah. things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, his 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 vo- vocal range has obviously changed as he got older. I mean, yeah. I don't think he could probably do that top eight thing yeah. anymore. He could just get away with it, I think, when we saw him in the Perpendicular tour oh, in 96. Yeah. Yeah. Was it 96? Would have been about that, yeah. I mean... But I think it was a stretch for sure. for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but as you get older, your yeah. voice matures and all yeah. some changes. He's still got a very good voice, sure. you know. Um, and his, the, you know, the Deep Purple's kind of latter albums, like you know, from Perpendicular, all they're kind of a bit more thoughtful. Yeah. Um, but his his voice is still incredibly strong. He did quite a difficult role, I think, because um, you know. Mo- most front men, front like lead singers, like they are the focus of the band. Yeah. You know, but in in Purple's case, they had Richie Blackmore and John Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's times where like the singer has to kind of pull himself back and not be the front person. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, not be the limelight, not be the guy, the front man. You know, and you know, obviously with both of those guys, got quite big personalities and stuff. So that's quite a, a, you know because it wouldn't kind of work if. Like you know, Richie Blackmore's over in the corner doing all the shit, and then you know Ian Gillen's on the other side, yeah. you know, climbing the rafters or whatever. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, Richie Blackmore and John Lord had a very careful balance, yes, um, in in the band, and then like you say, you chuck somebody else in, like um, Ian Gillen, whose voice is his instrument, yeah, and that knocks almost that balance, mm. um probably off a little bit yeah, yeah. and you know I think Ian Gillen and Richie Blackmore had kind of 
a terrible relationship, really, didn't they? Um, the tension and the artistic differences. Well, you know, Richie Blackmore is an artist. I mean, isn't he? I think that may well be the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry if Richie Blackmore's listening, but. Holy, yeah, I mean, he's a very strange. He's individual. probably not listening because he's probably not playing his mandolin or whatever. Yeah, he's playing his medieval yeah. music yeah. and his black hat. And yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's interesting that, like, Ian Gillen left Purple yeah. and then rejoined. Um, they made out another couple albums and then this tension between him and Blackmore just got too much. Yeah, yeah. He left again and then subsequently came back to Purple when Blackmore left and yeah. Steve Morse became yeah. the guitarist. Yeah. And Steve Morse has probably been Purple's guitarist longer than Richie Blackmore ever was now. This is this is this um, the the kind of um the what's the word? It's almost like Einstein, like time and its relationship with time. Yeah. You know? very so like these bands like Led Zeppelin Deep Fifty Purple, years old. Yes. Yeah, like, over fifty years old now. They were only around for ten years. Yeah. Right. But like Kind of this little like, compound interest. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like aura and stuff. Like, yeah. so, like Steve Morse has probably been in that band for like nearly 30 years. Yeah, now. yeah. Exactly. Just I mean, yeah. Mark II Deep Purple, that which is the fans' favourite Deep Purple, Mark II, you know, they released like three or four at Fireball, Machine Head, In Rock, yeah. split in 73, you know, yeah. um, Ian Gillen left in, in yeah. 73, you know? Well, I was thinking about this with like Ghost, you know, like they've kind of had a similar 10 year thing you know yeah that's the same as led zeppelin led zeppelin started in 68 and finished by 1980 yeah you know but kind of changed everything you know and then ghost like probably started like 2009 and you know mm. well they're, they're not finished but you know now they're just getting like big big yeah you know? um, but those 70s bands press everything and like become from nowhere to being like globe yeah. trotters and yeah anyway. so yeah um ian gillen um he he basically influenced Every, you know, everything that kind of I listen to um, of a heavy metal kind of persuasion. Um, wh- who's the influences I've got written down? Alison Chains, Chris Cornell, influence Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson quoted uh, Ian Gillen as changing his life, like you say. Um, Metallica, interesting. The w- there was a tribute to Deep Purple album, mm. um, the, so each band pick a song to cover off of the machine. Uh, Remachined it was called. Oh yeah. Um, they picked when a blind man man cries. B side, ballad, which is yeah. recorded during the Machine Head sessions, but not included on the yeah, album. Yeah. Yeah. But a phenomenal song all the rest. And for Metallica, you know, big big bad heavy heavy metal band a ballad I think is really really yeah, interesting yeah. you know yeah. um but oh highlights 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 of of um um so tracks that I've got written down um space trucking yeah that's real uh, no 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 from fireball um his higher register yeah. um Sometimes I feel like screaming for a perpendicular, so mm. I, I wanted to try and include um kind of a few kind of later ones just to prove that you know England's kind of relevant, yeah. you know, um. So in, oh, into the fire and in, in rock, it's just a great rocker, um, but if you ever get a chance to um, listen to Child in Time um from the 
in concert, 1972 shows. You know, in fact, Ian Gillan's performance through that whole album is pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. so, um, yeah, massively influential vocalist um, to, you know, so much of the music I listen to. Yeah. Ian Gillan is my number three. Interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that one, uh, Shark, I must admit. Yeah. And so, like, for, for me, um, I've actually got six singers here, and I'm still not 100% <laughs> sure who's going to be my uh, top one and top two. But I think for the my second favourite singer, I've, I've broken the list down, and it's one of, well, one of the three following people, right? Bjorn Speedstrid from Soilwork, mm. Till Lindemann from Rammstein, and Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. I know your number one's going to be right away from that list. I'm going to pick Bjorn Speedstrid, right? Because, um, he, he, and this, this, this number two, um, um, the criteria was like somebody who had a voice and um, appeal, right? Mm. So Altman Kola uses that sort of distorted sort of voice. It's not, it was not about his singing, right? Oh, stage presence stage and presence, yeah, yeah. visual aesthetics, yeah. but you know, a front person. Yeah. You know, he's he's a personality. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. and and that's you know that is a part yeah. of this as well. You know, so like out of those three guys, I'm talking about Lynn Staley, Tillman, and Bjorn Speedstrid. I probably Lynn Staley had like the best voice, but he had a kind of, an unusual voice. You know, it was kind of like nasally and kind of like it wasn't a classic sound, but. It, Perfectly worked for Alice in Chains. It kind of had a droney sort of quality. I think some of his best singings actually on the Mad Season album. Yeah, well, that's a great album. Yeah, and then I think it's very, it's because it's not hard like a lot of Alice in Chains is hard rock, whereas yeah. the Mad Season stuff it's it's quite yeah quite gentle. You yeah, know? No. so it brings out almost like the best in his voice. Yeah, and I mean, I when I got into Alice in Chains, I was like mad into them. I got their videos and stuff, you know, on VHS, but. That was kind of a short period of my life. I still love Alice in Chains and Dirt's one of my favourite albums and just Alice in Chains in general, I love them. But, so I kind of, I'm not going to go with him. Till Lindemann, I love Rammstein and I love Till Lindemann. He is a rock star. And yes. He has stage presence by virtue of his like physique and his... his He's act. quite a good voice. That and baritone voice is... He's a baritone voice. Ona and things like that is, you know... What I was talking about earlier, like a, for someone to be on stage and command... An audience, and most of the time he's commanding an audience that doesn't speak his language. Yes, you know, and that's an amazing kind of ability to have. I've seen Ramstein a couple of times uh, from afar <laughs> and from reason- reasonably close, but like he's just a bear of a man, and he has a good voice and just his stage acting. And I see he's a bit of a rock star, like like a dying breed rock star. You know, he's like playing around with women and stuff like that, and just doing all the you know being crazy drinking bar, but. I think, just for the longevity, I'm going to go with Bjorn Speedstrid, and the reason for that is, he was the first time I'd heard this kind of like ability to go from like, like harsh vocals to clean vocals. Now I know that the guy from Pure Factory was probably the first guy to do it. Oh yes. You know, but when I heard Figure Number Five, the album from uh, Soilwork in sort of like two thousand, two three, this was like kind of whoa, what is this? Mm. Like, what is this music? This melodic kind of death metal music, but it's got. Like keyboards, it sounds a bit proggy, and I was like, "Oh, this is fucking cool." And then I saw the guy, and he, oh, he, he kind of looks like Phil Anselmo. Oh, yeah, I quite like. It. He's got skinhead, and you know, he's a big guy, and blah, blah, blah. and you know, just this ability to go from like to like a really clean, melodic, catchy choruses. 
I was like, whoa, this is like really cool. And again, when we talked about um, uh, like Opeth and stuff like that, this was me getting into like these Swedish bands. I'm like, well, this is kind of a whole new world. They're kind of like, but they're perfectly fluent in English and they sound yeah. great and they've got, you know, this was just a kind of new thing uh, to me. Uh, so did Soil Work come out of the like almost post Gothenburg scene then? They're kind of, I think physically they're not actually in Gothenburg, they're in somewhere, or they were in some, I think Helsingborg, which is near Gothenburg. Yeah. But um, they're slightly apart from it. They're not in the kind of like uh, at the gates, dark tranquility, in flames thing. Physically, they're just that, and sonically, they're just that little bit off. Because they've got the keyboards, I mm. when I first heard them, I thought, wow, they're kind of cross between Pantera and Deep Purple. You yeah, know? okay. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> um, Brilliant. You know, they had the two guitars, so they would have like kind of like, they would do the kind of Iron Maiden's like leads mm. and the harmonies, but they would have Plus the harmonies, like about that, right? you know. Um, so yeah, I got into the, them when the figure number five album, and then I got like, um, uh, Natural Born Chaos, which was the preceding album. I was like, oh, this is like really kind of, Mm. like proggy and the, that band is just like they, they've kind of been like my favorite band for ages without ever like punching through you know to you know if you, someone was asked what's my favorite band they would always be in and around there yeah you know what i mean they just always put up great uh, albums great guitar work you know just everything i really liked mm. you know and as i say it just had it kind of took the sort of pantera sound but made it a little bit more technical and a little bit more kind of like uh, atmospheric um, so I was just a huge fan of um, of, of soil work and then the figure number five I'm sorry not figure number five Stab in the Drama came out it was a bit more of an American sounding album yep. and it was catchy it was hooky and it was you know the, the guitar playing everything but Bjorn Speed's just a kind of a cool I, I don't think he's got the best stagecraft mm. you know I've seen him twice um and he's good, but you know, it's probably not as good as like, for example, Till Lindemann. But I just, for me, that this the, he was the guy I thought, wow, he he can sing and he can do the rough stuff. Yeah. You know, he looks cool, and you know, he leads this kind of band in the way that I'm talking about Ian Gillan. You know, he's got two guitarists and a keyboard player, and they've mm -hmm. all got their little solo bit, and he's still managing to keep the whole thing. Yeah, find a pocket. Yeah, to live know, in quite happily. Uh, and he's a huge guy. You know, yeah. yeah. He used to play ice hockey or whatever. And uh, I think uh, the Living Infinite. We're going to do that. We're going to review that album. The problem is, it's a double album. So um, yeah. <laughs> brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. Yeah. I just uh, I kind of had to. I kind of had to throw them in there because I just think Soil Work as a band just never quite pushed through. It was probably because of all the lineup changes and stuff like that. But they were just always seemed to be like like second fiddle to In Flames or whatever. You know, I've but, always yeah. got, had that impression with it, with Soil Work. Yeah. I have to say, but. For me, Bjorn Speed was the first time I'd heard this um, clean and harsh vocals from the same guy and mm. pulled it off and still pulls it off. And of course, now he sings in the Nightflight Orchestra, this is kind of like sort of 70s AOR disco rock band. Yeah, and of I course. Really, and he's a brilliant singer. And so I just think uh, it, he writes great songs. He, you know, he, I think he writes a lot of music, the guitarists and stuff as well. So I just think Bjorn Speed Strid, Soil Work, and Nightflight Orchestra is going to be mad. Never do. Interesting, yeah, yeah. So two unexpected uh, choices. What were you thinking? Of, like, I was good. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. my next one is probably so obvious to kind of not be, not be real. <clears throat> You're probably surprised that this gentleman is, you know, not number one actually. But you know, 
That's the way I roll. Yeah. Um, number two on my list, Bruce Dickinson. Oh, yeah, I am really surprised he didn't go for because <clears throat> he, he, yeah. What can I say about Bruce Dickinson? Well, singer of The Iron Maiden. Um, he was. I'm going to have to chip in here. I mean, because he was like nearly going to be my number one. And yeah. Like, Bruce Dickinson is the archetypal heavy metal from He man. is. He is. He, he just he's is. Crazy. He wrote the book. Yeah. He, 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 he took all the good elements of your Ronnie James Dio's, yeah. your Ian Gillen's, yeah. um, your Halford's, and distilled them down, concentrated them into one man, and just yeah. ran with it. Yeah. And, you know, Iron Maiden are one of the biggest bands for a very good reason. Yeah. And Bruce Dickinson is a big part of that reason. 100%. I think, though, <clears throat> to kind of drill down into this a little bit more, that Bruce Dickinson is best when Iron Maiden are in their full, bombastic storytelling mode. Yeah. So then Bruce Dickinson has something to really get hold of and fully portray yeah. to the audience, whether it's Five guys in a grotty pub or 50,000 people well, I say, in a stadium. It's never going to be five guys no. in a grotty pub. For him, it's 50,000 and minimum. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, you know, he can project yeah. that in the same way, I guess, that Roger Daltley did with Tommy. He does that with all these other stories being the best stories that Iron Maiden tell. Yeah. Um, you know, Hallowed Be Thy Name, yeah. um, um, Rhyme of the Ancient Manor, um, Power Slave, yeah. um, The Trooper, yeah. um, but um, Ghost of the Navigator, thing, songs like that, yeah. you know, um, Steer Between the Crashing Rocks and Now I Make My Final Journey, yeah. just massive, kind yeah. of in your face. You can just see the pose Bruce Dickinson it makes when he when he sings that. Um, but the first the first time Bruce Dickinson came into my radar as a real personality mm. of a of a front man was um, a real live one. Yeah. Um, so yeah. probably the heaviest. Is that the, is that the Donington night too? Yes. Yeah, the same with me. Yeah. yeah so yeah. this is probably the heaviest. Iron Maiden probably have ever sounded mm. um, a very loud. Yeah. The band are very loud mm. through the through the album, but riding on top of that through the whole thing. Um, so, just let me explain. You can get this album as a real dead one and a real live one as a double CD. But yeah. I got this as a real live one with the red cover with I, uh, yeah. um, Eddie. I think he's biting through a cable. Is that the one where it's? Um... The, the the each song is in a different city like yes speaks in French and one uh, yes it's the Feel of the Dark he, tour yeah yes. that, yeah that is sensational and he's, yeah. there's a bit where he speaks French and things yeah. like that they they do a Fate to Shoot Strangers yeah, which is, is bro, you know it was a great song not played often enough live yeah. because it, it builds um but th as an impressionable kind of teenager um looking for my kind of uh, malleable mm. kind of sort of mind to hook on to, like this guy, like absolutely belting his lungs out over, you know, these yeah. fantastic songs. Yeah. Um, just 
captivated me immediately and I needed more of this yeah. and I needed more of it and I needed, always needed more of it and more of it and more of it like you know and uh, you know so Iron Maiden were from that were one of my first real metal bands that I listened yeah. to and it was Bruce Dickinson that really captured me you know yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, the storytelling even through Afraid to Shoot Strangers you know it's, it's a story that yeah. he's telling you know yeah, I, I, I can only just concur here because, like, um, I, I, the first time I saw Bruce Dickinson would have been I bought the real. I wouldn't know, I'm getting confused. The was the Power Slave tour. The, was that a real dead one? Uh, yes. Yes, a real dead. Or, real yeah. live dead one. No, no it's it, a real live dead one's a double album, so yeah. it's be a real dead one. It's yeah. the one, you know, with the, the mummy coming out of the, the it's our blue cover you know, filmed in uh, Los Angeles and I was like, oh, this guy's running around and shit and, you know, it was like, he's just like magnetic in terms of what he was, you know, he was running around the stage but not like being an arse, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He just, he just had that sort of sixth sense or has that sixth sense. Also, I think he is like a unique, you know, British humour, I think is, plays a big part of it and his little quips and things that he says between yes. songs. You know, I remember uh, it must have been the li- li- live in uh, Rio in two thousand and one. He says, "Do you want to see or hear something old? Do you want to hear something new? How about something Jurassic?" Yeah. <laughs> and they play Wrath uh, Child. Wrath Child. You know, and just shit like that. You know, um, yeah. Um, that, but I, I, I got that when I kind of really got into Iron Maiden was was around that ninety two period with the Real Life Dead one and the Rock um, Donington. From 1982. Mm. The, the That's a phenomenal brilliant. I, yeah, performance. Yeah. And I've seen Iron Maiden four times now, I think, actually. Yeah. And he's just... I Yeah, I mean, literally just everything about him. His singing, his sort of storytelling, the way he can command the audience mm. and sort of sit back when it needs to be. Yeah. Because, you know... See, I mean, there's huge amounts of audience interaction with Maiden songs and he allows those those moments to breathe. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing about Bruce Dickinson is he is like a ringmaster mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, you know, it's like, you know, some puts a song from um, uh, somewhere in time. Oh, 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 you know, he gets the football chant going. Yeah. You know, you know, you know he would do that. You know, he does the thing with his ears. You know, like, yeah. Wah. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah, he you runs to one side yeah. of the stage, gets one one part of the, the, the audience going crazy, then he runs all the way across yeah. to the other side against the other side, kind of yeah. cheering as well. And just such an energy, you know, like, I mean, okay, he's now in the 60s. Yeah. But, like, last time I saw him was 2018 or Was the Book of Souls tour? No, no, I saw them after that. So we went to see them in the Book of Souls tour mm. at uh, Glasgow. It was great. It was super gig. Oh, it I was a great gig. I went to see Honestly, the, fantastic. I went to see him on the Legacy of the Beast tour, which was all the sort of classic songs, you know, yes. from the 80s and everything. And, you know, it was just perfect. And, like, just, oh, yeah. Bruce Dickinson is, well, you know. He Do you know a book. I mean, kind of listening into a bit of music, like, there's, you, you try and listen to him, unusual things of, of that artist to try and, you know, um, kind, kind of create um, discussion points. Like, Children of the, of the Damned. Yeah. It's, it's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. But his singing on that yeah. is, it's, it's almost like a maiden ballad, which they don't, kind of don't do that often. Yeah. And it kind of builds. Um, but his singing on that's absolutely phenomenal, yeah. you know? It's funny, um, 
in the one of the more recent metal hammers they were doing a thing about fear of the dark and um you know, the album fear of the dark yeah and, um after that i i watched the um i got the dvd of their uh somewhere in time world tour mm-hmm. thing you know the, where they went around the plane you know, yeah the eddie airplane and it was just I'd also just watched Spinal Tap before it had some ways. You shake your head, you know. Yeah, no, it's just you know, like yeah, it's just the way that it's just the, the way the Spinal Tap like, picked up the kind of the English mannerisms of everything, yeah. you know. Like, you know, what's what song do you like doing on this tour? And he's like, yeah, Mariner. Yeah, it's just that that's what it is, you know. Just these <laughs> kind of like little quips, but yeah, but the fear of the dark. I think the Afraid to Shoot Strangers that apparently was the Iron Maiden version of. Uh, what's the Nothing Else Matters by Metallica? Because that, that that was the yes, yeah. I'd never put the two and two together. Yeah. It was a very similar time and things yeah. like that. Yeah, because that was like that had been the, the, the yeah. broken them up and the first Iraq War and all that sort awesome. of thing. Yeah, yeah. but no, I think uh, Bruce Dickinson super uh, carries the crowd, pulls the crowd along with them, tells a story, is entertaining, um, and I think also just in interviews he's very engaged. That's the, yeah. the final thing I want to say. One of the other times I've seen him was when he was doing his book tour, mm. you know, and he was telling a, about a life story. And he just thought, this guy's an inspiration. Yeah. You know, he did the fencing in the Olympics and he flies planes and starts companies. And... Um, he's, I mean, his um, cargo airship is, yeah, is very that, close yeah. to, to being kind of launched and yeah. things. He's a, he's a busy lad. He's just, very, very busy yeah, lad. He's, he's someone else, yeah. Um, have you heard any of his solo material? I have actually. That, that's the skunk work stuff. Yeah, yeah he's time. got about three or four solo albums. Yeah. Um, there was actually a movie that came out when he did a tour in Sarajevo. Yes, so he's an honorary uh, citizen of, of Sarajevo, yeah, Sarajevo, Sarajevo because yeah. of that. And that's yeah. that's a remarkable film. That? Oh, it's, oh it's, good, yeah. it's absolutely yeah. remarkable because he's literally in a war zone. Like yeah. Sarajevo is, is under siege yeah, at the time, yeah. you know? Um, they they watch somebody be shot. Yeah. Just you know, is it, he? They play literally play in a war zone. Yeah. It's it's a remarkable thing to do yeah. to try and lift people's yeah. lives at that time. You know, a really really remarkable. Bruce Dickinson is a is a British living treasure. Right? Yeah, he really yeah. is. Um, I mean, I I've only really got Tyranny of Souls, and it's 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 just it's it's. More, I guess, modern sounding heavy metal than maybe Iron Maiden. Yeah, I mean, like when, when he did a solo thing, he was he was trying to maybe sort of fit in a little bit with the times, slightly grungy sort of sounds or sort of down tunes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, but, I like Tyranny of Souls. I think there's there's some you know the there's that's a very good album actually, and I would thoroughly yeah. recommend that one. Like you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bruce Dickinson, he's just such an enigmatic character. He's just a, he's he's the archetypal frontman yeah. with a phenomenal voice. I think it's changed um, kind of and, and deepened kind of laterally, you know, um, some of the notes that he was singing on, like Number of the Beast and kind of somewhere in time things, you yeah. know, were probably beyond his capabilities now, but that's just the way it goes with a vocalist yeah. Yeah. and that you can't deny that of him, but he um, he's modified it to I think to fit. I think one of the other things is yeah. like, like maybe part of his character. He's always wanting to try new things. Like so, when some of the Legacy of the Beast tour, like they picked up the Rammstein flamethrower, and he was like wearing like like costumes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, he's always kind of. You know, yeah. 
like a restless sort of solo. I think I think he is, and I think that's why he left Iron Maiden in the first place was because he is that restless mm. soul, and he was a bit scared of being tied to a band that's seen as such an institution, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to kind of spread his wings a little bit, but um, I mean that album, um, Brave New World. I just think it's, it's, you know, there's some absolute cracking songs yeah. on that, you know, and yeah. probably some of Bruce Dickinson's best vocal work. I just want to speak about his magnum opus for a minute, Empire of the Clouds. Oh, right, okay. So, 20 minutes, uh, an over 20 minute song mm. about um, an airship, the R101, um, and most people would balk at the idea of a song being 20 minutes long yeah but he essentially composed the song himself mm. um he bought he kind of bought a piano and was playing around made the riff um and this is what i was saying about bruce Dickinson being the storyteller mm. was that it's such an engaging fascinating story and the yeah. way uh, this long story is told 20 minutes long and but he brings the band into his ability to tell the song. Yeah. That that twenty minutes flies by. I always look forward to that part of of the album. You know, um I've listened to the album again. I've listened to it for a while, I must admit, but I've got it in the car. Um so yeah, I'll listen to the album uh Book of Souls. Yeah. yeah. It's just a great bit of storytelling and like um like Iron Man songs have been getting longer and longer and um Steve Harris is, is always, you know, he's a great songwriter himself yeah. and he loves to tell a story, a historical story, but Steve Harris was kind of says, oh, you've, yeah. you've outdone me, you've, yeah. you've properly outdone me this time. And um, I would love to see them play play live, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Empire of the Clouds, I think it's a fantastic yeah. song and just typifies what everything good about Bruce Dickinson, yeah. you know, just a fantastic Frontman and storyteller. Yeah. yeah. So my number two, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, interesting. He, like, uh, I thought he was going to be your number one, and I was, I was like swithering about having him as my number one. But uh, we've we've talked about him, and I'm glad that we have, and I managed to put in a few thoughts about him. Yeah, he's he's like I said, he's a, a living treasure. You know, um, just just amazing guy. So yeah, for my number one, um, well, I kind of, I was looking for someone with like. Uh, like sort of star part. So, I a couple of years ago, um, well, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I've gone with one of my favourite singers, basically, a guy who had so much like an influence on me uh, as a sort of person, oh. and I, I loved the band and and everything. But before I reveal that, there was two other people, a couple other people I was thinking about, um, but I sort of just shied away from. So, I was. I thought about Marlon Manson because when I went to see him, well, basically a couple of years ago, I went to see Rob Zombie and then I went to see Marlon Manson kind of close, uh, you know, not long one after that. And I kind of realised that these these guys are like rock stars. Mm. Like, they're, you know, they, they are rock stars. These are people, you know, they're not just a singer in the band. They are rock stars. They're kind of icons. Yeah. The way they do things. Rob Zombie particularly is very flamboyant, you know, with, with moves. Rob Zombie is, I've never really experienced anything quite like that in a rock metal kind of gig that like Rob Zombie took the stage and he's like I'm going to have a ball tonight yeah. and you can either come with me 
or you can stand there like a burka at, yeah. at the back of the yeah you know back of the hall kind of thing you yeah. know um so i was kind of the thing about rob zombie is i've got no idea what he's saying like it's just a sound you know <laughs> yeah and with marlon manson like he has a sort of different like kind of like almost like a dark energy he just like i i saw the women in the audience they were just like kind of like like drawn to him yeah. like a vampire you know but again he, he kind of yeah particularly the, the last three albums i just think they're brilliant i don't know the stuff before that so well but I, that this kind of brought me the thought of like like kind of rock stars but so but in the end i chose phil ensemble from pantera right <laughs> now, oh, phil of course. is, is a, a rock star not in the sense of those two guys but he was kind of like an anti-rock star rock star yes if that makes sense absolutely that's yeah. a very well yeah very well put yeah and yeah i think yeah. the reason i really got into him and pantera is that you know all the singers had long hair and they all kind of looked the same and here was this guy who kind of shaved his head and he had the tattoos and he just had a really like a really aggressive voice and look and i don't think there was anybody as aggressive as pantera at the no. time and i just thought like you know it just made all, all the other people who were trying to look kind of like hard and heavy look like poodles yeah you know absolutely I mean? oh pantera just destroyed whatever they went yeah and like i say he's this kind of like anti-rock star rock star sort of thing you know just you know he would sort of he had like the, the kind of qualities of like till lindemann like you just like a powerful sort of magnetism mm. you know and particularly that sort of vulgar display of power period that's peak Phil Anselmo, the sort of 91 to 96, I think that five-year yeah. period, Phil Anselmo was like unbelievable. I mean, a trouble, trouble character, I mean, he, he ended up getting hooked on um, painkillers, opiate-based painkillers, didn't he? And he ended up with a heroin problem and things yes. off the back of that. So I, think the, I think the story with that was he, because they were like jumping around so much, he hurt his back Aye, he just destroyed his joints, yeah, just, absolutely. He basically started off with like pain medication. Uh, I mean, he speaks openly about yeah. about this. His his interviews. Um, well, I've seen quite watched quite a few interviews about him because I find him a fascinating character as well. That he speaks about what he has to do on a daily basis mm. to keep him going yeah. and to keep the pain away. Because yeah. I think he's got rods in his back supporting his his spine basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he he's got this routine like this. Um, exercise routine that involves yeah. a lot of stretch and he says if i don't do this yeah, yeah yeah i crumble you know and i cannot function basically yeah. you know and he's very very honest and yeah. like i don't want to go back to that person that i was mm -hmm. being um reliant on, yeah. on on drugs and medication yeah, yeah. because it leads me down a dark such a dark path yeah so that's what i'm saying like that kind of 90 cowboys from hell um vulgar split power Far Beyond Driven and Down's first album, those four albums is like peak, peak Phil Anselmo. And I think one of the things about him, he was kind of like, or it seemed like to me, he was like the first accessible rock star. So like mm. before like social media, you could literally like, you know, now with social media, you could probably send a message and, you know, we've done it on, with our uh, VRPC, you know, sometimes yeah. we actually get the singers like chatting with us and stuff yeah. like, like, whoa, you know, but like, Pantera had this kind of open, sort of like open bus sort of feel about them. You know, like they would like hang with the fans and you know yeah. they would drink beer with them and stuff like that. It wasn't like they were kind of like suddenly on a Learjet to the next play, you know, next gig and all that sort of stuff. 
um, just kind of like like one of us. Yeah. In a in a kind of new and fresh way. Now that's just like it's a bit. Because that was the thing. Like when we were at school, like we were listening to bands like Pintel and things like that, and like we always kind of naively felt that you know we could be like those guys yeah, yeah. This, because they seem so accessible yeah. you know like you just seem like like your mates you yeah know, like your yeah. older brother or something like that you know when I mean, even though the, like you said internet doesn't exist there was still um like the the, the home videos and things they, like I mean, that they you know, were that I mean that when I think about it the home the Pantera had released these um like VHS they were called home videos and literally they were a montage of their home videos <laughs> with, with live clips and videos and stuff like that and for me it was like I bought I had all of them. I had one, two, and three. You, know? <laughs> you just felt like you were part of the band. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they drew you in like that, Pantera, because yeah. they were so... I mean, they're, they're just like... I, I mean, they, they would do things and muck around yeah. in a lot of ways that our, our own friends would, would yeah. they, you know, and kind of drunken yeah. carry on. And... Sort of things that as a parent you would have be absolutely abhorred, but when you're the kid... You're the hilarious. Kid. Yeah, it's hilarious in every way. Like, you know, know, shooting guns in the back of the cars <laughs> and shit like that, drinking right. beers, whatever. You think, this is brilliant, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I think... And I think he was, like, particularly in that period I'm talking about, 91 to 95, he had a really good voice. He, you know, he, he had... There was elements of the kind of uh, Bjorn Speed strid. He could do the sort of clean, clean-ish vocals... Yeah. And he could do the really harsh vocals, but he just looked so cool. And you know, the kind of the sentiment of and kind of vibe of Pantera, he just encapsulated it. And mm. for me, it was just like that's you know, basically, I shaved my head because of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was such, I mean, like you watch Phil and Selma on stage, and you know, he just like he it's like he's got a message and he's driving it home yeah. through your forehead, yeah. you know. I mean, my favourite song is Walk from Volvers Background. If you watch the video of Walk, it's on YouTube. It's got like, you know, half a billion views or whatever. <laughs> it's just this guy on stage and you just get, it, it perfectly encapsulate Pantera, their sound and how they related with the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, Phil Anselm was man number one. I've got to say that in a silly accent. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, he's, he, um, he just was, very different to a lot of the guys going around fronting bands at that time. Yeah. Um, just a different. He, there was an edge yeah. to to Phil and Selma. Yeah, yeah. He, like we know about a lot of his kind of problems and things like that. But they, I'm not saying there was that edge to. It. I'm saying that there was a definitely more aggressive edge to a lot of the stuff going on. Yeah. He, he could hold himself. He, hold his he, own. he could hold his own, yeah. but he delivered, helped deliver Pantera's music. So. Yeah forcefully in a positive yeah. way um it was just undeniable at the yeah. time and yeah for, for about four or five years like you say there was like pantera you know should have been the biggest band on earth well they were i mean they yeah. were kind of like the rolling stones of metal yeah anyway so that was my number one sharpie hit us with your number one singer yeah okay so my number one and i had to think long and hard about this and yeah i'm intrigued i, I, I really I'm, think between bruce dickinson so i'm quite surprised i don't know what you're going to say here so there are some maybe freddie mercury it's, it's no sorry um there's just certain sounds um that are part of the soundtrack of your life yeah um 
we've kind of gone through some of those with our band members and this is very much the case with this guy um his voice um has been with me for as long as i've been essentially listening to music but through some of the most important points of kind of my life and his lyrics have been the support that I have needed at times when things have been really difficult. Um, and it's Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Oh, okay, right, wow, yeah. Um, Fantastic voice. So, Eddie Vedder isn't just a vocalist. Mm. He's, he's, he's almost a poet as well. Yeah. You know, some of Pearl Jam's lyrics are incredibly deep and uh, emotive yeah but they're emotive enough to not be too kind of chintzy yeah um they're also in, at times vague enough where yeah. you can an open in yeah. interpretation where you can attach your own meaning to them when when you kind of need to yeah you know um, he's a very, very clever um, lyric writer and yeah. he can emote in in, a, in ways that a lot of people can't. Mm. So he can um, the, he can speak from a lot of different perspectives with a level of respect. Mm. So he, he speaks like in daughter from a girl's perspective. Mm. Um, elderly woman behind the curtain in a small town. He speaks from well, an elderly woman's mm. um, perspective. I mean, he must be in his twenties, and he's you know yeah, yeah. putting himself in the position of yeah. it's an sort of just a real empathy to a lot of his music. Um, there's a, other aspects as well where, like, you know, he's he's quite politically um, active and things. He's a um, pro-gun control advocate and things like that. So, you know, there's certain aspects of his politics that I, I can align to. Um, but, you know, the beauty of his voice, the beauty of his lyrics, um, they, they've been a kind of huge support to me through, you know, kind of to me personally. Mm. Um, so what, like, like I, mean, I, I would only know 10, the first album, but yeah. it's such a, like, Amazing sound. I think we've said this. I've said this before. Like, um, it it doesn't sound like the first album of a band. It sounds mm -hmm. like, like, something that they've been crafting for ten years. Yeah. You know? It yeah. sounds so perfect. Everything. And his voice is so big and bassy and yeah. rounded and, you know, I like I like the a lot of the um sort of like not acoustic ones but the more like slow ones like uh, uh the the porch and garden and deep and stuff like that. They're really. So what's your favorite album? <sighs> Probably verses, verses, probably verses or vitality, mm -hmm. um, better man, nothing man. You know they're incredible songs. Mm -hmm. You know just laced with meaning, um, and you know like difficult kind of lyrics, mm -hmm. particularly with vitality after um, kind of 
Kurt Cobain mm. passing things like that, you know. So he, you know, there's so huge amounts of empathy kind of to that situation as well. Um, I mean, I've got a list of songs here, that just you know, kind of just massive. Um, I mean, I really like No Code as well. That's you know, it's they're, they're, they no two Pearl Jam albums sound the same. Right. You know, um, like Versus is very different from Ten. Metallogy is very different from. Um, uh, versus um, No Code Yield mm. they're all very very binaural they're all very very different sounding albums um, what's he like actually like live because I, I don't think I've ever seen Pearl Jam on a like video or just something. amazing they're the one band like there's a three kind of bands that I you know want to see live before I, I die Rage Against the Machine, see Pearl Jam is the other one. And they're amazing live. They're not, like, they, they play just with guitars and amps yeah. on the stage. Yeah. They've added a uh, Hammond organ player, Boone Glasper. And they're, they just play, it's just a rock show, you know, yeah. just a stripped down rock show. And, you know, they're such a good highly skilled band that that's and the songs are so good that's all you need yeah. and they're you know the their songs have because of the the, the the variety of how their albums sound you know the the, the their set is always very very varied yeah. you know and then they chuck in um cover a couple of cover versions like i hadn't really heard uh any of neil uh, sorry yeah. john lennon's right. solo material mm-hmm. um this was a number of years ago, and um, I got hold of the um, unofficially release all their live sets on on CD um, to kind of beat the bootleggers. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, the, so basically, the, um, they're to guarantee the quality of of the sound, you know, for their fans. Mm. So um, I think we got one in. Um, Penn State uh, College, and um, give me some truth. Um, is on there. Oh, what's the other one? Uh, I get the impression, but you know, he, basically, the, the Eddie Vedder made me a a John Lennon fan off the right. back of it. You know, um, the first time I heard Neil Young's "Rocking in the Free World" was off a. Of, Pearl Jam bootleg and it's the angriest version of rocking yeah. in the, the free world you'll ever hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's just angry. It's just an angry song. And I think Neil Young wrote it to be an angry song, but Pearl Jam just you know turned it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the, the, the like the he's almost become like a an American um, like folk. Um, Artists as, as well. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because like the, the 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 singer and band that I would probably most uh, from my side that I would probably most equate to and I like is REM and Michael Stipe. Mm. And the way I always thought about them was they were kind of like contemporary American folk. Yeah, you know? contemporary American folk. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. and like particularly uh, as Pearl Jam have gone through. So as I don't really know the first album, but I I know that they've become more. Uh, one of the things I was going to say earlier was like, I have the impression that their concerts are kind of congregational. Yes. You know. Good. That's a very good way of putting it. So. There's a. Kind of 
the, the phrase I've got here is an agnostic spirituality to, right, yeah. to Pearl Jam's music, but particularly to Eddie Vedder's music. Like, um, he did the soundtrack to the uh, film Into the Wild. Yes, that's a good film and that's a good soundtrack. Yeah. So I was oh, coming back from the States and um, I'd watched a few things and I hadn't really heard of this film because it's. It did have a ma- you know, mass yeah. release. But, true story. And it's a true story, yeah. So there was like a couple hours in the fight, found this film, I read the little, oh, it sounds quite interesting. You know, it's going to pass a couple hours. And then, you know, through the headphones, I thought, the music started because it accompanies the, the, co- well, it accompanies the, the film so fantastically well. I thought, is that, is that Eddie Vedder? And um, just the the way those songs intertwine with that film is just so incredible, and it's it's folk music, it's contemporary yeah. folk music, you know, it really really is, and um, you know, so it's such a different dynamic. Yeah. And then the the Pearl Jam incorporate this song Crazy Mary into their live set, normally towards the end, if not an encore, and it was a B side to oh, I can't remember now, but it was one of the Ten singles. All right. I think versus anyway, but it was um, written by Victoria Will Williams from um, Louisiana, um, but it was recorded <laughs> for a tribute album to help her pay for her medical bills mm. because she developed MS, and you know there's a whole bunch of other people on this, Chris Cornell and you know um, Perry Farrell and things on this album, you know so, but they do so much justice to this song like um victoria williams versions phenomenal but when eddie vedder mm. sings it he just takes it to this whole other plane you know it's just and like you say there's almost a spiritual element so it's this is this a song victoria will williams wrote about this lady she had like mental health problems and They'd always see her from the perspective of a little girl at the back of a car watching the world go by and they see this lady. They'd always see her kind of around the same area. And this lady doesn't like cars, basically, yeah. or she'll never step in, in foot in a car. And uh, the one, she wants off her lift, but you know, she refuses and kind of tells a story about this, this, um, this lady. And like Eddie Vedder sings it so amazingly. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, Eddie Vedder's a massive Who fan. Like, he was asked what his favourite word was or something, and he says, and he took a second, he went, Who? That's my favourite word. I could look at that word, and it brings so much to me. Mm. That word and that band's music brings so much to me. So, um, he... um, Asked... Um, permission from Pete Townsend to cover Love Ra- uh, Rain Over Me from Cordofinia and he was given permission for um, yes yeah, to, uh, to for, for this film yeah. and like this like, Rain Over Me might be my favourite Who song but my favourite version of oh, that right, song yeah, yeah. is Pearl Jam's version because so, it's just yeah. amazing, you know. As 
I mean, kind of intrigued. Like, I'm getting the impression that, uh, you know, because obviously through the course of this conversation, we've been talking about different criteria for like judging. Yeah. Um, and you know, stagecraft, <clears throat> blah blah blah. I'm getting the impression that Eddie Vedder is a guy that it's the message rather than the vehicle that's important to you. You know, so like it's the things he's saying and the way he's saying them, rather than like the his like um, uh, the like his magnetic presence on stage or something like that. I think if you watch him, he's got a pretty magnetic presence. Yeah, 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 he's it's a pretty. I mean, particularly like early on. I mean, he was just a ball of energy, and yeah. he'd climb up lighting rigs and. Right. You know, he'd be hanging yeah, like seventy like, feet in the ball, air. Ball yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean he was but he doesn't obviously do that now. Um but he, you know, he's he's got a massive stage presence even even now, you know. Um and his voice is so powerful, yeah. you know, his massively powerful voice yeah. and the way he uh emphasizes and accentuates certain phrases or um, does he lines. Have a voice when he talks? He's got that sort of he really brand. does. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's deep baritone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He really does. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got. He does have. He does have a reasonable range in his voice yeah, as well. Yeah, like, you know. He just like the, his sound is so like. Like. Round, I think you know. Like it's very sound, warm. It's it's a warm yeah, timber to his to yeah, his voice. Warm, full sounding voice, like. Like he's got like like huge lungs or something like that. You yeah. Just you know, you know, almost like um, like a Motown sort of sound almost. You know. I yeah, mean? I yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean Eddie Vedder. He 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 mean Pearl Jam's music and his voice and what he's saying means so much to me that actually when I thought about it, it became. And quite an easy, yeah, quite an yeah. easy choice, you know. Um, I mean, there's maybe more charismatic people, perhaps, or mm. you know, bigger stage presences. But uh, personally, yeah. for me, it came down to that, you know, that question: yeah. who means the most to me? And yeah. Eddie Vedder is my number one. Yeah, well, I wasn't expecting that, and uh, interesting um, reasons and methodology for coming to it. So yeah, interesting. I'm surprised we haven't done Pearl Jam then um, in the. 50 episodes well, I know there's two bands we've not done that I'm a little bit apprehensive about doing. One is Pearl Jam and the other Machine Head. Right. Okay. Um, so close to you. They, they, they are. They are. Yeah. It's just, just you know, um, so right. in the f- yeah, in the future. Well, that's a great segue into. Um, so we've rounded up our um, uh, list of our favourite uh, musicians uh, in the band places. We'll, we'll organise some of their playlists, so please check them out. Uh, we still haven't quite worked out how to link it to us, but we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll bodge something yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably have to... We'll, you know what we'll have to do? I'll make you some pictures uh, of our... Like, who is our, like, final fantasy eleven? Oh, yeah. You know, of, you know. Um, but anyway, um, so... Have we decided what we'll do next? I think it was... Oh, we, we were battling out with... We were really harsh with Iron Maiden in our That's virtual right. eleven yeah. uh, episode. Yeah. Um, and I kind of felt I needed to redress the balance, but we almost had a our first tete a tete with this, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so we we're going to do Iron Maiden, and we'll probably do Peace of Mind. I think we should do Peace of Mind. Well, it's either Peace of Mind or Seventh Son or Seventh Son. We just haven't quite decided. I think we should do Peace of Mind. I yeah. think I think it will be interesting to do yeah. Peace of Mind uh, because 
uh, aye, third Bruce Dickinson album. And the other suggestion I had for the next one, I think, scrap that one, I've got something else I'd like to talk to. Oh, fantastic. Looking forward to hearing about that then. So, yeah. So join us next time for um, Iron Means. Peace of mind. And we'll speak a bit more kindly (laughs) about the irons. Well, that was a great episode, Sharpie. Um, hope you're enjoying the VRPC Final, Revolution, Final Revelations podcast. Sorry, that drink is getting all the strong tweet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, check us out on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, and wherever you pick up podcasts. But if you check out Spotify, you'll hear clips that uh, Sharpie has delicately put together. So, yeah, yeah, all good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs>